Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by a special guest this weekend, former Oregon tight end George Reister, coming on to, unfortunately, talk about the Ducks' loss. George, how's it going? Man, I'm all right, man. I, I got a... I got a well actually yesterday was a crazy day because you know I was really excited about the game had seen a couple good games earlier in the day at halftime I'm excited but still you know not exactly happy I go outside to play um you know shoot some hoops with my kid and my phone falls out of my pocket and my phone breaks so then, and I have bets going with people. I've been texting people all game. And then my phone starts blowing up at the end of the game and I can't respond. I can't even really see who's texting me. So then that compounded the situation because then now all of these jerks think that I wasn't responding to them because I was upset. And that's not true. It's because my phone was broken. Oh man! But, so so you were just had it in your pocket. It fell out and cracked on the on the concrete or whatever. It didn't even crack. It just like put this green line through the phone. Like, and I can't swipe anyway. I can see partially stuff that comes in, and so then what I and I didn't even want to tell people that my phone broke because then they were gonna think I broke my phone because I was mad at the game, and I'm not that guy. I was pissed. I was pissed. But I'm not break my phone guy because that's stupid. Yeah, that's actually what I wondered. I was like, did he break when you said your phone was broken to me? I was like, I wonder if he threw his phone last night and broke it. Uh, but uh, you don't seem like that kind of guy, George. So for, for people who don't know about you real quick, we'll bring up to speed. You uh, went to Oregon when, oh, three, I feel. What no, were the I can't. Years? No, I got drafted. Oh, three. Oh, uh, three. So I okay. came out 99. And I left after my junior year, got drafted at 03, played six years in Jacksonville, then had a cup of coffee with the New York Giants. And um, and then I was hurt. I hurt my neck. So then I tried to go back and rehab and see if I could play, see if I could play without enough pain. So I went to go play in the UFL for a year in Vegas, which was aside from my neck being excru- in excruciating pain, it was one of the most fun times ever. <laughs> and I, bet. I was playing with one of my best friends, Sammy Parker. Again, I mean, and it was just a ball, dude. Because I mean, I'm from LA, so my home. I always spent a lot of time in Vegas. Had a lot of connections there, all of that. So that was a ton of fun. And then after that, I have worked at Fox Sports One, hosting shows, uh, done games for ESPN, U, ESPN Three. And now I started unafraidshow.com and we have articles about the Pac-12, college football on a daily basis. So you guys check that out. And we also, oh, and then I do the Pac-12 Apostles podcast, which is all about the Pac-12. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. All right. So yeah, you check out, check George. I, I actually, George and I did a, I did George's show and uh, when I was out in Oregon in June, some of my family me- members were like, oh, we watched, was, uh, we watched you on this uh, show on YouTube with some African-American guy. And I was like, <laughs> 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 and I was like what are they talking about? You know, I was like, I assumed it was just like me interviewing a kid or something. They're like, no, he was interviewing you. And I was like, 
what? But, you know, people in Oregon are very sensitive about all types of things. They thought I did a great job, but I, it took me, I had to search myself to remember it was you because I had no, I, I had no idea what they were talking about. It's, so. it's funny because sometimes people are so socially conscious and all that stuff that they don't want to use descriptive terms that can actually get you to the point and they right. want to kind of tiptoe around it and be like no no the black guy he used to play football so anyway oh, okay. uh all right let's get into the game uh boy heartbreaker i actually knew when did you know that they were going to lose i had a feeling probably oregon started to look gassed late in the third quarter and that was when i kind of had a feeling that things were going to go downhill i mean we can run over the whole game oregon came out was very impressive they left a lot of points on the board early though and i think that's what ultimately did them in because you know auburn was able to to stick to their game plan and and run the ball a lot i think if they would have forced nicks to pass more they they easily win the game but leaving those points on the board early seemed to be what ended up catching up with them at the end I totally agree. I totally agree that all those extra points on the board that they did not get on the board, that that was one of the biggest problems. But also, I felt like the the offensive coordinator got a little, what I say, uh, cautious in the second half. I think that uh, if you look, Oregon took no shots over 15 yards in the second half. They took no big shots. They they very conservative. Everything was trying to be short, quick, all of that. And the offensive line was having no trouble blocking Auburn's defensive line, which everybody thought was going to be the, you know, like the, like the key to the game. And that turned out not to be true. And you are right that Oregon did start to look a little gassed in the third quarter. But at the same time, I still wasn't worried because it went up 28, uh, sorry, 21-6. And then, and then in the fourth quarter, they scored a touchdown. It was an eight-point game. Still wasn't worried because then Oregon went on a long a long drive and their defense got a chance to get some rest and then they looked fresh again. So when Oregon got the ball back and it was fourth, there actually there was a fourth and one, I think, early in the fourth quarter and around the 50-yard line and Oregon punted. And I didn't like that because they had had so much success running the ball all day, he hadn't really been stopped for for no gain all day. I thought it, it was less than a yard. I thought that that was an opportunity to be aggressive that they that they missed in the second half. And when Herbert got hurt in the fourth, I think it was in the beginning of the fourth quarter. He got hurt uh, with his no, it was the middle of the fourth quarter. He got hurt with his with his knee, and they went for it on fourth and one. Okay. I didn't I didn't love to play call, but but like you can't like always try to blame coaches. You know, sometimes the defense just makes a play. And then the defense and then Oregon's defense came out and got a stop immediately. And I was like, okay, cool. All right, cool. This is good. Like this is really, really good. And they were unable to basically salt the game away. And I'm always a person that does not love when teams try to salt a game away as opposed to win the game on offense, like it is always better to win the game on offense than trying to rely on your defense, no matter how good it is. Even if you're Alabama's defense, Clemson's defense last year, you do not want to rely on your defense to try to close the game out. Yeah. I just, well, that sequence with Herbert was a disaster because he gets hurt. Uh, then they 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 think that if they call a timeout, he can come back in the game, but he can't, which 
you know, I think is a rule in the NFL, but not in college. And I mean, he clearly nobody on Oregon staff knew the rule right there, which is, you know, just kind of coaching and experience, I guess you'd say. And then yeah. they send out the backup uh, at first. And that, well, because Herbert can't go in the game, they have to call another timeout. So you just burned your last two timeouts in the fourth quarter. Um, and the timeout management was a disaster from the first play of the game when they had, I mean, how do you call timeout on your first play of the season? Like, how, how does that happen? <laughs> um, well that, see, see, I, I thought that that was a little more understandable only because Oregon's top, what, three wideouts missed the game. So, and the wideouts were the people who miss a line. <laughs> so, I, I didn't, you know, and it's better that than a penalty. I thought that that was indicative of the first game of the season because if you notice, this game, uh, Auburn and Alabama, was a lot less sloppy than some of the other football games that we saw er- earlier in the week and even earlier in the day yesterday. So, I didn't – I mean – So, it didn't bother me. Right. But I just think – I just think well, the, the sequence with Herbert was was the one where you, you. I just don't think you can use your last two timeouts in that situation, and then you go for it. And I mean, you you have a quarterback who's never thrown a pass in a game. I mean, it was pretty obvious what was going to happen. I think I don't. I think they made a bad decision going for it, and like you mentioned, they stopped them. But I mean, the the you know the play calling is definitely something that that I'm sure Oregon fans were. We're mad about i saw some tweets about oh herbert was 16 for 18 until the hail mary what's well, like yeah you guess what sam bradford has the record for the highest completion percentage in the nfl in the season you know <laughs> that's a disaster yeah. like wasn't it sam bradford-esque some of these like there was like five yard passes every pass uh you know and i understand they were getting pressure on him but it was just like well, the, the, they weren't even getting a ton of pressure on him. The the only time that there was significant pressure or even noticeable pressure on Herbert was uh, was was when they blitzed, and in the first half there were only two pressures or, or two throws under the rest that Herbert had to make. One of them ended up in a touchdown, and another and another was just an. In, incompletion so there wasn't a ton of pressure unless they brought six or seven guys and at that that case Oregon needed to take some some shots when people blitz you have to hit them like there there can't be any other option and I didn't like that like it was it 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 concerned me because so last year my criticism with Oregon's offense was there wasn't enough screens and enough uh, and enough quick game play to stop people from blitzing you, which is they just got teed off on, particularly against Arizona and Washington State. I mean, they just teed off on them. And I was like, we need to run more more screens, all this. And then I was thinking yesterday, I said, okay, they ran a ton of screens. This is This is good. However, we forgot about the downfield shots because you do have to do that because in the second half, you notice Auburn, they just dared them to throw it over. They were like, we're going to press these wideouts and dare you to throw it over and see what happens. And that's what, and Oregon did not take that challenge. And it was the same thing that Oregon did to Auburn. And at the end of the game, Gus, Gus Malzahn was like, okay, we need to get a little bit closer. There's not very much time. So we, we can only take shots deep. And they caught one of the shots deep. I mean, because they were in line for a 50-yard field goal to try to win the game. 
and it just like that was just heartbreaking when he caught the ball I was just I mean that was probably I would say top three worst Oregon losses for me like in terms of like just unbelievable things last year against Stanford when they were just destroying Stanford. <laughs> yeah, that was a that and was they, a disaster. <laughs> and had that fluke fumble. Uh, well, that fluke snap and then the fumble. I mean, dude, it was like a a comedy of errors. Just just like there's no way you lose that game. I mean, they were dominate. I mean, it was even David Shaw was like, I don't know how we won this game. They <laughs> they basically gave it to us. Yeah. Um and so that game, 2000 Stanford that I was involved in. That that put us in the Fiesta Bowl, <laughs> even though we were ranked number two in the AP poll, number two in the USA Today poll. But some kind of way, the the BCS computer put us number three and Nebraska number two, despite them just getting beat third uh, sixty three to thirty six against Colorado. I was at that. I mean, I was at that Stanford game uh, on a recruiting visit with our friend, with our friend Brent Haberly, and I remember. We we felt personally responsible because we sat in the recruit seats and not the seats we normally sat in, <laughs> and so we had felt like we jinxed the team. Uh, I, Thanks a lot. Buddy. Yeah, sorry about that, George. I remember that was the game where uh, you guys had the ball, right? And that was the year that 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 Joey Harrington was leading all the comebacks, and you just expected him to come down and score, right? Yeah, but. But that was the game, too. We had a 14-point lead and got two punts blocked. <laughs> two punts. Like, how is that possible? I was at Oregon for the the the, the four seasons I was there, including the year I redshirted. I think we only got two punts blocked the whole time, and they were in that game. It was unbelievable. I could I, – I still, to this day, am just upset because I – because even though we lost that game, it was a couple weeks before the end of the season. Nebraska lost 63 to 36. We just know we're going to the national championship because we're number two in the AP poll, number two in the USA Today poll. And then we're sitting in the room watching the announcement on the TV. And they're like, Oregon and Colorado in the Fiesta Bowl. What? How the hell are we number three? <laughs> Dude, dude, it would, and so we were just like, we are going where a lot of times these teams and fans they make excuses. Oh, we didn't get what we wanted. We weren't motivated. We didn't play well in this game because it didn't matter to us anymore. That's lame. We went down to Colorado. We went down to Arizona. We were pissed off, and we were like, we're gonna punch a hole in these dudes and just pray that Nebraska loses and I mean wins, and we split a national championship. Do you so that year? The, I mean, that Miami team is kind of regarded as one of the best teams of all time, right? Do you guys, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you feel like you could have hung with them, but I mean, do you think does do you think you guys could have won? Is the question? I don't see why not. I mean, <laughs> I mean, here, here's the here's the here's the thing is that is that okay, take a t- take a look at a few years later, USC who I think in 2004 was the best college football team of all time. I think that Miami was number two Um, in terms of college football teams. They, that Miami team had a bunch of guys who went on to have more pro success than some of those USC guys have. But as but college players don't always translate into pro potential. It's just not always the same thing. 
And then you have to factor in coaching, which you USC was better coach in Pete Carroll than um oh my God, who would it, it wasn't Butch Jones, it was the guy that came after Larry Coker. Yeah, Larry Larry Coker. Yeah. The Pete Carroll's a better coach than Larry Coker. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. And, yeah. And so you look at that and you look at how many times that teams who have been necessarily more talented or something like that have gotten gotten beat. I'm saying it's possible. And we had a bunch of NFL guys on that team too. I think I think that we had like 20 or 25 guys compared to Miami's like 40 something who ended up playing in the NFL. So it wasn't just a complete mismatch and wipeout. It was just they had some studs, you know, Vilma, they had Sean Taylor. Wait, yeah, I think and I mean, they had a bunch of guys. Right. So the so the question is, no, 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 Sean, wait, yeah, it might have been Sean Taylor. But but I think he was a freshman. And just saying, all right, so we could have like that that's a game if you play well, and and the ball bounces your way a couple times, you can be in the game and win win a game. I mean that we saw this yesterday. How many times? How many times? I mean, is Tennessee not more talented than than the team they lost to? <laughs> well, we can talk Tennessee. about that later, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, you see what yes. I'm saying? No, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's no, football. It's yeah. football. You have to play the game. Right, exactly. All right, so before, you know, keep in mind, the majority of our audience is probably Southeast-based, so we will give Auburn. Auburn deserves a lot of credit. I think Malzahn deserves credit for being aggressive late in the game, like you said, and going for that touchdown instead of leaving it on the foot of the kicker. Uh, Bo Nix, you know, his stats are not were not great. He made some really bad throws, and he was struggling – but, you know, as someone who, who spent a lot of time with Bo in high school, especially last year, um, you know, he's used to being able to do everything himself. I think he obviously needs to kind of to dial it in a little bit. But, you know, that was a huge stage. He's a true freshman. He's going to be a really good college quarterback, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> I even said it prior to, to the game. I was like, you'd like to catch Bo Nix his freshman year. You don't want to catch him his sophomore, junior year, because the kid is clearly athletic. He's mobile. He's hard to sack. Um, I th- the, 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 the thing that I felt like Gus Malzahn did really, really well was he stuck with his running game because in the second – because especially when you have a true freshman quarterback – I mean, even when you have a senior quarterback, you want to win first down and you want to uh, stay in third and short, or they call it third and manageable. And in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, for the most part, they did a really good job of staying on schedule. They did a really good job of keeping him in positions where he could hand the ball off on first down, pick up five, six yards, and then be have a good play action, easy throw, and so he didn't have to do anything to be a hero. And that's where Oregon screwed up. Like they did not capitalize on those opportunities. And then you saw Bo Nix's confidence grow. And at the end of the game, he was like, look, I have nothing left to, I, I don't have anything to lose. We, we have the ball. I'm going to chuck it up. I mean, it wasn't like it was like a fantastic throw or anything. I, I, I would, I would applaud the catch even, even more, but you do have to give Bo Nix credit for having the guts to to 
make those passes because there are a bunch of quarterbacks who will be cautious with that pass and then throw it at throw it more toward the sideline or out of bounds and not give because they don't want to make a mistake. But this kid is going to be good. And if you're an Auburn fan or if you are a fan of any other SEC team on their schedule, even if you're Alabama, you need to be like, ooh, okay, all right, this is like he could be a game changer like Johnny Manziel was for Texas A&M, like a, get, like a complete program kind of the way that people look at you changer. Now, I still think, you know, I don't think Auburn is going to go 12-0. and 0. I, I, He's going to have his ups and downs. He, Like I said, he threw some bad interceptions. Oregon's a good team, though. I mean, I think these are two legit teams. I think Oregon, if they can rebound from this. I mean, the, the bottom line is, you know, Washington and Utah have good defenses. But honestly, the Auburn, you know, defense, I think, is probably going to be one of the best they face all year. And this should, if as long as they bounce back – you know, we, we could hear them, uh, you know, in the conversation later in the year as well. Um, okay, okay, so I got a question for you, Woody. So from the – because I'm always curious about what people from the South think and how they take away from the game. So as a person who watches and follows a lot of SEC and ACC football, especially down in the South, what was your takeaway from Oregon and – what your preconceived notions were. Well, I think, into you know, the, the typical SEC fan who, who maybe didn't watch the whole game is going to say, oh, Oregon wore down at the end because of the SEC bodies. And I do, I saw them wearing down. I mean, I, I was going to look at my text to see exactly when I texted some of my Oregon fan friends to be like, they're gassed, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're in trouble now. Uh, but I think if you give... I think Cristobal needs a little bit. I think he probably needs one more class of bodies in there. Um, because if you look at the, yeah. the class that Willie Taggart brought in, a lot of those kids from Florida were, you know, USF level players that they brought in. And, you know, some of them are, are, are gone or several of them are gone. Um, so I think if he can replace them with some more big bodies that he likes, but I think they earn some respect. The, the thing is Auburn has to keep winning because, you know, Auburn is so inconsistent down here that it's not like, it's not like everyone in the SEC. I mean, they lost to Tennessee last year, you know. So I, I think they need to be yeah. more consistent and have a good year. But that's that's going to have – they've been one year on, one year off. I think they haven't won 10 games in back-to-back years since like the, the 90s or something, which is – So this is the year for Auburn. So I'll be pulling for <laughs> Auburn for the rest of the year. I need them to win 10 games, including – I, I mean, if you are an Alabama fan, like the, the way Alabama looked, especially in the first half against Duke, you would you're looking at Auburn and you're saying, "Oh wow, the Iron Bowl is going to be a real game this year. Like this is going to be a real game this year. This is not going to be anybody's wipeout. This is going to be right, a exactly. Real game. So, uh, g- g- great job by the Tiger. Like I said, I think the Ducks earned some respect, especially nationally. Um, but you know, Washington played them tough flat, Washington played Auburn, you know, really tough last year as well. And we saw, you know, that Auburn wasn't good, but, uh, and I, I, I just, <laughs> you know, so Justin Herbert has like, he has all the tools and stuff like that, but the fact that they have not, and I know guys are hurt, the lack of wide receiver talent on that team, is just, it, it, I mean, Jalen red as a high school player, didn't even have a position and it was five foot nine. I know he's like one of the fastest players I've ever seen, but I mean, he's your best receiver. I mean, I, he wasn't even, there was a lot of talk that he was going to be defensive back coming out of high school. So 
you know, Johnny Johnson, the third, those are, these are decent players, guys who hang around for three or four years and make 30 catches. It's just crazy that, you know, Justin Herbert is essentially going to play his whole career with, you know, with Darren Carrington and Dylan Mitchell, you know, Dylan Mitchell, a seventh round pick being his, you know, only dominant receiver. Well, well, that's the, that's the crazy part is that, okay. Is that, Dylan Mitchell should right. still be in school. I, I told him, I was like, do not leave, first and, first and foremost. The, so he should still be in school. And then if he's still in, still in school, you actually have a – he would be a third-round pick this year probably because he's a good receiver. And, and with Jalen Red, okay, so the best receiver on Oregon's team, right, well, the, the top – Two receivers on Oregon's team were out yesterday. They didn't even play. They didn't even suit up. That was Jawan Johnson, who came from Penn State uh, as a as a transfer, and he caught a lot of balls. I, I think he caught like eighty balls at Penn yeah, State two last years year. Ago, yeah, last and, year he was hurt, I think. But yeah, yeah, and then um, and then right, Micah Pittman, who's a true freshman. So it like like but but you can't blame it on that. It sucks. Because you have such a good quarterback and he's got nothing. I mean, like, like the cupboard is bare. And like or- Auburn's DBs had, I mean, like this was an easier game for for them because if you looked at Oregon's team, Jalen Red was clearly the best wide receiver on the field for the Ducks, even though he didn't finish with with the most stats. I think Johnny Johnson did. It it was just. It like it just wasn't a threat at all, and some some of the guys they have are young. I mean, and then Jr. Waters w- was hurt too. But a lot of these names that we're saying are freshmen, and that's like your freshmen should not be your best wide receivers on your <laughs> right, team. Exactly. So, so anyway, I, these two teams, I think it was a really fun game. Great way to kick off the season. Uh, let's run through some of the other ones real quick. We go back to we go back uh, in time to Thursday. Clemson fifty two to fourteen. Trevor Lawrence looked a little shaky in that game. Did you watch? I I don't get the ACC network, so I I I live in Atlanta. I couldn't watch the school in Atlanta play, and I have you know whatever cable. I'm not a cord cutter. It's a it's. See, I'm a cord cutter, buddy. I'm a cord cutter. So so I'd have no problem watching anything. And you need to step in 2019 and be a cord cutter yourself. But uh, as far as Clemson goes, if you rewind to last year, Clemson didn't exactly start the season trashing people like they did at the end of the year. Like They kind of built up right. to that. Like they had a really tough game against Syracuse, and after that game, they just started just wiping everybody out. The I, I would say Trevor Trevor Lawrence in in that game, uh, he threw two interceptions, was only thirteen for twenty three, but they got they. I mean, Travis Etienne, twelve carries, two hundred and five yards, three touchdowns. He didn't need to be great, so I I, I think that there's a little bit of it of um of kind of that sophomore hangover a little bit Trevor Lawrence has so many expectations around him he was so great I think he tried to go out and f- fulfill some of that and quarterbacks always have to know the limitations of their arm and the situation and I thought with those two picks 
and a few of the throws that he that he made, his arm was bigger than his arm was bigger than well, sorry, his mind was bigger than his arm. That he tried to do some things that weren't actually humanly possible at the right. time. And so and so he'll uh I think that Dabo would get him settled settled down, re- reeled back in, and he'll just start doing more of what he did last year, taking the game the way it came to him. But at the end of the day, Clemson's super good, dude. They won fifty two to fourteen. This was this was non competitive. They were up, I think, thirty five or forty two zero before God Georgia Tech even scored. Right, exactly. It was it was never and that's I think that part had to do with with Trevor's performance as he not that he didn't care, but I mean the game was never this was never gonna be this was like a preseason game, you know. <laughs> so yeah. um and Coach Collins at Georgia Tech is a DB expert, so it doesn't surprise me that his DBs made a couple of plays. Um, all right, yeah. uh, Texas A&M beats Texas State forty-one to seven. Not much to say about that one. Kellen Mond looks pretty good. We're going into Clemson, Texas A&M uh, this weekend, so that's going to be uh, Kellen Mond, who we ranked as a five-star. <laughs> we it was a big time. It was a big time internal debate. I can tell you that there was a one person on staff who really pushed for it and he, he won his way. But I mean, Mond has improved. I mean, you know, he, he's not, I doubt he's going to be a first round pick in the NFL, which is what we're projecting. You, you should doubt it. You should doubt it. It's not happening. (laughs) Which is what we project a five star to be, but he's pretty good and they're pretty good. I think they have a brutal schedule. I don't think they're going to beat Clemson, but I mean, you know, Texas A&M, Jimbo stepped in, and especially if you look at what Kevin Sumlin's doing at, at uh, Arizona, I think I think they made the right move there for sure. Um, this game, I totally agree. This game I want to talk to you about. Utah uh, beats BYU 30-12. to 12. I think BYU threw two pick sixes in this game. I actually went to sleep because I was uninterested in the game, and then I woke up at 2 in the morning or something, and there, there were nine minutes left in the game because of some uh, lightning delay. Lightning delay, yep. Yeah, so I watched a little bit more. Uh, how did Utah look to you, considering that they're you know viewed to be essentially the the favorite in the in the Pac twelve? Watching Utah play to me is like watching Michigan play, dude. It is a snooze fest. It is a yeah, snooze boring. fest. It's it's weird. It's some some teams that just don't have that wow factor, and that is Utah. So they they are a good football team. They are limited at quarterback. Tyler Huntley is a you know he's more of a game manager but he is athletic enough to run around he's not good enough to get to to beat the so they're they're probably going to win the south of part of the pac 12 because their defense is spectacular i mean like like when they are going to be one of the few good defenses in the country like you're going to have utah who's going to be fantastic Oregon's defense looked really good last night. I, I was very, very impressed. But but I'm not going to put them up there as a top defense yet until they prove it. Uh, Washington's always stellar. Michigan's good. Auburn looks really good this year. Alabama looks good. Clemson looks good. So they're, they're going to be one of the few good defenses. The only problem is their offense can't then support it. And so th- this is a team that looks a lot like Michigan last year where their defense is so good, but when they run into a a top-notch offense, they're going to be able to get edged out because, you know, unless you're – because there's only so many points that they're 
team can score. They have a fantastic yeah, running back in Zach Listen, Moss, George, it shouldn't come as a shock to Pac-12 fans that Tyler Huntley from Florida, Zach Moss from Florida, and their best receiver, Damari Simpkins from Florida. So Utah secretly, they sneak down there and steal guys all the time, Three guys who might be like going to UCF and stuff like that, uh, and they turn them into players. So, uh Yeah, because they are very well coached. Uh, Ty Ty Whittingham is one of the ten, I think, ten best coaches in the country because Utah is not getting five, four, and five star guys for the most part. And when you can coach them up, and you know, because 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 they've got two first round picks on their team in Jalen Johnson, the corner, and uh, Lecky Fotu, the defensive lineman. And their defensive players go into NFL right. and do a really good job. Uh, do you think BYU is going to go beat Tennessee? Got coached up. <laughs> Ooh, after yesterday, it is hard to not. I mean, it's hard to see how Tennessee can. I mean, how Tennessee is going to win five games. I mean, it is. It looks really, really bad, and. I, and I don't know how truly how people in the South all feel about this, but I don't know how people are really feeling about Jeremy Pruitt losing to Georgia State. And well, the Tennessee fans are, are, you know, beside themselves. Obviously, they have a real passionate fan base. And uh, I can tell you on our site, which is uh, VolQuest.com, that covers Tennessee. I mean, it's they're, they're sick. They. The, the problem is, you know, when you have a – it's in Nebraska's kind of the same way. When you have a passionate fan base like that, they're just so desperate to get back to, you know, the glory days that they just assume if they follow the few steps, it's going to happen. Okay, we get a new coach, we recruit some good players, and then we get good again because we're supposed to be good. And unfortunately, uh, it's, it's not that easy or else everybody would do it. Um, so, exactly. yeah, they, they looked uh, awful yesterday. And then, in, you know, afterwards, Pruitt said some things about the team not knowing how to line up. And there were some bizarre substitution patterns with guys coming. I mean, you know, there were a lot of tweets going on from the beat reporters like this guy who's a left guard is playing left tackle and the left tackles at left guard. And I, I don't. Sometimes coaches try to be. Too right. Smart. I don't know if they thought they were going to blow him out. So they had come in with the plan of, Hey, we're going to play at, you know, these many guys, but he's, he gave a lot of quotes about everyone was even, we wanted to see who jumped out. It's like, you know, this as a coach and then you, you know, as a former player, maybe you could speak to this. You've got to make those decisions going into the game. Like you decide who jumps out at the scrimmage and then start the guy. And if he's not playing well, pull him out or whatever, but you can't be just shuffling guys in and out. Like it's a hockey game. In a do- when you Correct. get into a dogfight against Georgia State, you need to, at some point you need to say, "Look, you know this is Georgia State. <laughs> We're Tennessee. We're going to run it down their throat or something." I, I I just it was it was super bizarre and and uh, I thought that George, you know, from the from a gambling perspective, you know, I thought Georgia State would cover that that four touchdown spread. I did not think in any, my, any wildest scenarios that, that Tennessee would lose. Uh, and, and we take a lot of guff because Tennessee, you know, routinely recruits a lot of highly ranked guys. I mean, they signed a, a five-star offensive lineman uh, and another borderline five-star offensive lineman. And, you know, obviously those guys are not supposed to come in, especially at O-line and, and dominate right away. But yeah, that it, 
It's ugly, and I honestly think the line will probably be Tennessee minus three, and I would not be shocked if BYU went in there and won because I just think BYU is going to you, – you, you, did you ever play BYU in your career? No, I did not. So, I mean, but but I've seen them play a lot. They so got – how many guys do they have I on their it. team that are 24, 25 years old, you know? Dude, dude, they they probably they they for sure have the most married men with with families on their team because so many of them take their Mormon mission. So they come back, they're married, they have kids. Like these are grown men. Like these are these are not college kids. These are grown men. They have responsibilities. They have, you know, to make sure that, you know, food is food is on the table and they have a plan for the rest of their life and so, exactly. yeah, so I totally think different. they're going to go in there. And the, t- the problem is the Tennessee fans are now so mad that it almost is not a home game because the first time something happens, you know, they start people start moaning and groaning. And I mean, it's just, it's not a good feeling. Uh, it's, it's not a good situation for Tennessee. We'll see how it plays out. Uh, UCF, my alma mater, 62 to nothing over Florida A&M. Uh, I'm sure you didn't watch this, uh, George, but I, I got something brewing here. Brandon Wimbush started the Notre Dame transfer for UCF, and then Dylan Gabriel came in, uh, and they kind of played on and off, uh, the, the true freshman from Hawaii. The, there's no doubt in my mind that yeah. Dylan Gabriel will be the starter for UCF by about week four. Um, they play Stanford. What do you think, Mr. Pac-12? <laughs> Are you nervous? I, after watching Stanford play yesterday against Northwestern, are you nervous that they're going to go down to UCF and get just run by by uh, the Knights? <laughs> no, 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 I, I no, no, and the and well, actually, I will give that a caveat. It depends on if KJ Costello is playing, because KJ Costello got got hurt in the Northwestern game, and Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald are notoriously a good defense. Like they just play well, they don't make mistakes, they don't beat themselves. And that's very much similar to the way that Stanford is. And Stanford's offense just started to roll in the first half. They scored 10, 10 points. They didn't score in the first quarter, scored 10 in the second. We're just starting to move. And then a non-called late hit uh, targeting penalty, was it was uncalled. K.J. Costello gets knocked out of the game with a concussion. So if he can play this week, because he's one of the better quarterbacks in the country. So if, if he can play, Stanford's in a much better spot. So, you know, and and they are built to travel. They traveled to Northwestern last year. They've played on the East Coast b- before. So if they, as long as Stanford, because they, they were able to run the ball a lot better this year. And mind you, I respect UCF. UCF is the best team in Florida. There's no question. You, if you look at Florida, the way they played against Miami, the way Miami played with their left tackles, UCF is the best and, and the way Florida State played yes, yesterday, ah, UCF is the best team in the state of Florida at this point. So there is no disrespect there. But I, th- I think that Stafford just, I mean, they are just so incredibly physical. This is SEC football West. They are going to run you over, road grade you, except for they have a really good quarterback. Well, team. that'll be a fun game. I can't, that's going to be, that's in two weeks, I think. So that'll be a, a really fun one. Uh, Friday night, Michigan State. Beats Tulsa 28 to 7. Michigan State put them in the snooze factory. Uh, Tulsa's terrible. Michigan State's number 18. I feel like that might be a little high. Did you watch that game at all? 
I, I saw a tad bit of it. And, you know, the, the thing about Michigan State is you always wonder. You always wonder when are they going to put it together offensively because, like, they like they always put together a respectable defense, but it's their offense that's always a problem. Like, they never have – explosiveness the way that they you want them to since they since Plaxico Burris was there right so so I mean this uh Dan D'Antonio's a good coach but this is a team that you know is going to be competitive but they're a three loss team and it's all dependent upon this they okay so if you want to know who utah is utah's less like michigan and more like michigan state (laughs) yeah there you go uh wisconsin goes down and beats usf 49 to nothing usf is in a state of total disarray uh they they went on that losing streak to end last season they came out this game and just looked horrible they have a new offensive coordinator he looks like a disaster Blake Barnett, one of your uh, overrated California quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> no, no, he does not count as a California quarterback. He went to um, he went to Alabama to start uh, initially. Are you saying where is he from in high school? No, no, no. I'm not. I don't care where he's from in high school. He went to Alabama. Um. He, yeah, he went to Alabama. And then he went to, I think then he transferred to Arizona State or somewhere. Yeah. You know, no, no. We, we, anybody who leaves California and goes to some, goes far away to go to school, you are on your own. You are, you are excommunicated. You are persona non grata. Well, you're out of here, bro. Yeah. He- we don't even claim DJ Williams. And he went to De La Salle. <laughs> and he was a really good player and a really good pro. Don't even claim him. So I think if Blake Barnett had gone to Oregon like he was supposed to, did, uh, do you ever know he was he was going to go there? I'm glad he didn't. Well, I think it would have changed the fortunes for him. It would have changed the fortunes for Mark Helfrich. It it's like a sliding no. door situation. Nope, I, nope. I'm actually happy that all the things happened to Oregon except Chip, Chip Kelly leaving. I am happy that – all the things post that have have happened because right. it landed us with great recruiting classes and has put us closer to a situation of winning a national championship. We just got to get this offense situation figured figured out. The defense is is clearly headed in the right direction. All right, uh, so big win for Wisconsin. They looked. Jonathan Taylor looks really impressive. I think he he could be. Uh, a Heisman uh, mix guy, especially if they can keep winning. Alabama, you mentioned we talked about them. They beat Duke forty-two to three. They started out really slow in that game. They were without their running backs. I, I'm not worried about Alabama, but I think those injuries at linebacker could come back to haunt them. I wouldn't be surprised if they drop a game in the regular season. Um, but I, I had the game on and I was trying to watch it, but it was it was it wasn't it wasn't great. I usually go to this game actually here in Atlanta, and I just told them. Nah, I, ain't, I know I don't want to go. No disrespect to Duke, but uh, yeah, this was <laughs> right. But, exactly. But, but disrespect to Duke, <laughs> it's the truth. You knew that this game was going to get uh, out of of hand. This was not a situation to where that this was going to be competitive at all. Um, I do believe I do agree with you that Alabama's. Um, Defense could be hurt a little bit, 
by the linebackers being being injured, but they have and the the running back being injured, but they have so much depth, particularly at the running back spot, that I'm curious that when they get into the, that Auburn game, when they get into that LSU game, all of that stuff, if some of that stuff doesn't bite them in the butt, but I doubt that they'll lose to LSU because LSU's offense isn't good good enough, <laughs> even though that Joe Burrow played great yesterday. I- but they well, were playing I will tell nobody. you that my so. one takeaway from the game was that Tua definitely was hurt last year. You could see he was really running around in this game and moving well. Uh, I think his injuries last year definitely caught up with him. So they got to keep him healthy because, you know, uh, there's not a whole lot of options uh, behind him, despite our, our good friend Mac Jones, who is technically his backup. Um, Georgia beats Vanderbilt 30 to 6. They jumped out 21 to nothing. I mean, this was never really a game. Uh, you know Vanderbilt. This this may be the one saving grace for uh, for Tennessee and and other fan bases. I mean Tennessee, Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina. They all look very average. They're all going to be battling for six and six. So uh, Georgia, as long as Georgia beats Florida, they're going to cruise to that uh, SEC East uh, uh, championship. Doesn't look like you know any chance. Jake Fromm was was really good, and their running game was really good. Um. How about this one? Let's talk about Justin Fields. He, he came out, lit up F, FAU, which isn't a surprise, but I mean, this was your first chance, really, George, to see him in a in a you know full game setting. Uh, did you did you check in on him? What do you think of him? I checked in on him, but I mean, like this was this was I like I don't take much about players' performances when they're playing such poor competition. I mean, there's a I mean. F- Ohio State's second team would have beat this team. So, like, there's no – like, there, there's little to be gained. This was a scrimmage against the twos. This this was not a competitive game. So, I I will see what, what Justin Fields is made out of. Like, I, I would rate Bo Nix's performance – like, I would give him more credit than I give Justin Fields. Because, like, it's just layups all day. Everything's wide open. And there was no stress on him at all. Like, yes, you go up and put up a good game, but who cares? You played nobody. I mean, like, this is a throwaway game like Trevor Lawrence's game was yesterday. It's a throwaway game. Like, who who cares? The stats don't matter. Yeah, it'll look good if you end up in the Heisman conversation. You can add all these stats up. But what did right. it really prove? The, the good thing is I think it puts some things to rest about uh, – you know, that people were worried that he didn't win the job quick enough. And uh, I know you got to go soon, so let's do one more game if you got real quick. Washington, they, this is another one of those games like you are just talking about. There was a lot of concern about Jacob Eason not winning the job sooner. They smoke Eastern – some people were picking Eastern Washington to cover at like 21, 22 points. Uh, what did you take – did you take anything away from, from Washington blowing them out? Uh, I expected it because their defense is really good, you know, so and Jake from I'm sorry, Jacob Eason. I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are, but he he performed well. He had a wide receiver make a one handed catch in the back of the end zone. That was phenomenal. He's got some weapons this year with Fuller and some of those other guys. Washington is a good team. And so we we will see when he gets in one of those stressful matchups. But their non-conference is is very SEC like. It is cakewalks, buddy. It is cake. I mean, it is it is very Alabama like. So, 
And, he, and like I said, if you guys have a chance, check out this video on my YouTube. I mean, I'm either on the YouTube or my Twitter, at George Reister. I talk about how I feel bad for SEC fans and Alabama fans. Well, listen, if you were, <laughs> you know, it, it, the SEC does, of course, play the, the cupcake non-conferences. But when Missouri loses to Wyoming and, and Tennessee loses to Georgia State, <laughs> I don't, I don't... I'm talking oh, okay. about the good teams. I'm talking about the good teams. <laughs> Alabama, Georgia, uh, uh, have no Florida. Any of these teams have no business playing cupcake. If you're supposed to be that good, you're supposed to be Alabama. And Nick Saban says we want to play 12, 12 power five games. Then do it. Then do it. You don't. You don't even play ten. Just do it. So stop giving us lip service and do it. And that's why I applauded Georgia, who's got 10 on the schedule in like two or three years, and they have them going going forward. Good job, Georgia. All right. Bad job, Bama. <laughs> Great rant by you, George. All right, we'll let you go. We know you got some family obligations. I'm gonna I'll wrap up the show, Colin Cowherd style, uh, by myself. But I really appreciate you joining us. You can find George on George, what's your Twitter handle? Oh, it's just your name. At at George. Yep, at George Reiser, W R I G H S T E R. Yeah, don't throw another, don't throw another T in there, man. You got sixty six thousand followers. Your Twitter's popping off, huh? Uh, well, I mean, it helps when you were a pro. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually had to. I was, I was track. I'm at like thirty eight or something, and I was tracking high, and then I really tamped down on Twitter because it was a don't get fired. It was a don't <laughs> get fired situation for me. So, uh, anyway, all right, George, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, bye. All right, so George jumps off, and now we go into the Woody Womack, Colin Cowherd. <laughs> uh, I have to, uh, I have to do this by myself. George was still talking there; I muted him. So, anyway, let's go ahead and jump into the rest of the games. I'm going to go quick. LSU fifty-five to three against Georgia Southern. Oh, I saw a lot of uh, LSU fans on my Twitter being very excited about this game. Uh, George mentioned Joe Burrow, very excited about him. He throws for 278 yards and five touchdowns. They have Texas next week. That's going to be a great game. I'm really looking forward to that one, uh, but not a whole lot you can take away. Michigan struggles with Middle Tennessee, 40-21. to 21. This one was definitely ugly. Uh, Rob Cassidy, uh, not the biggest Shea Patterson fan, would definitely have some criticism of their new offense. Shea went 17 of 29, 203 yards and three touchdowns. Not, not a great game, uh, definitely for Michigan, you know, but it's not like it was ever truly in doubt. Uh, so, you know, sometimes these teams just kind of sleepwalk through these games. Uh, Texas beats Louisiana Tech 45 to 14 in an important cover in one of my locks of the week. Uh, they win it easily uh, heading in. And, some people worried about their defense. Their defense looked good early. Louisiana Tech, not exactly the, the stoutest of opponents. Uh, Penn State beats Idaho 79-7. to Never changed, James Franklin. Run up the score. We love it. Iowa beats uh, Miami of Ohio 38-14 to in a game I surprisingly watched uh, for a long time because it was close. Nate Stanley went 21-30. of Iowa's quarterback, 252, three touchdowns. We missed some guys when I was watching, and uh, Brett Gabbert, a uh, friend of the show, uh, you know, of the famous Gabbert family, uh, has Miami of Ohio with a decent quarterback. So I was intriguing to me as always, but I think they're going to drop a few games. They, this, you know, I think we're looking at an eight and four type year for them if I were predicting. The game that I wish Rob were here to talk about Iowa State beats Northern Iowa 29 to 26 in triple overtime. 
they should have lost this game three or four different times. They dodge a major bullet. They come back and win. And boy, this is one of those ones where you wonder, like, how do they respond from this? The fact that they won it, I think they'll be okay. But, uh, you know, Rob has consistently said that he thinks Matt Campbell's a little overrated as a coach. And boy, if they would have lost this one, that would have been a brutal blow to their season. Syracuse beats Liberty 24-0 to in a game we will talk about later in the week. Hugh Freeze coaching from the hospital bed in a true epic football coach. Uh, what, what was he thinking? Just stay in the hospital, dude. You scored zero points. You have a staph infection. You could die. What are you doing? Uh, friend of the show, Buckshot, Stephen Calvert, 234 yards, two interceptions. So the uh, Liberty could not get the old Hugh Freeze offense uh, going their way. And uh, well, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't pretty for them. So um, Washington State beats New Mexico State 58-7 to in a game Rob was texting me about after midnight. Uh, Anthony Gordon, their new quarterback, throws for 420 yards and five touchdowns. And uh, Rob and I talked about this. You know, Tennessee could have hired Mike Leach, and everyone scoffed at it. I mean, I would love to see that offense in the in the SEC, but uh, obviously that ship has sailed. Washington State, I like, I just, you know, they're fun to watch. I love what Coach Leach has done up there, and they're going to be in the mix all year in that Pac-12 North. Nebraska, an ugly win against South Alabama, 35-21. I was, I watched a lot of this game as well. I was kind of surprised. I, I feel like Nebraska is still lacking playmakers. Adrian Martinez did not have a good game, 178 yards passing, no touchdowns, one interception. The, the surprising thing was they couldn't run the ball, 98 yards rushing on 44 attempts. Uh, the key, p- People often think of the, you know, the, the Chip Kelly, Scott Frost offense uh, as a, you know, a spread passing attack, but the run is the key there. You can't have a game like I mean, this was just an ugly offensive game. I understand South Alabama's got a, a few decent players on their team, but you, you can't have a game like this where Nebraska puts up total yards uh, 276. They got outgained by South Alabama, and that's not good. Wondell Robinson, the true freshman from Kentucky, Dave Lackford's boy, uh, looked really good. He definitely is going to be a weapon for them going forward. We talked a little bit about Stanford Northwestern. Uh, former five-star Davis Mills comes into the game uh, unexpectedly when Costello got hurt. He looked a little, almost like uh, nervous, and that's he probably wasn't ready to go. He hasn't he hasn't played really at all during his career because of injuries. But it was definitely the two five-star quarterbacks were unimpressive. Hunter Johnson, six of seventeen for fifty-five yards and two interceptions. The Clemson transfer. Northwestern, yeah, the ugly game for them. They got to figure something out on offense, and I, I don't know if uh, Hunter Johnson's the answer really. Um, and then, of course, tonight we have Oklahoma. Tomorrow we have Notre Dame. I think both those games are going to be blowouts. So uh, I don't have a whole lot to add uh, in terms of you know the Sunday show. We try to stick mostly to <laughs> stick to sports. Um, I do have some some big time complaints coming up later in the week. Uh, we apologize for not giving you a preview show. Rob and I both got the flu, uh, which we haven't seen each other, uh, which is odd that we both got it at the same time. But, boy, it was deadly. So uh, be careful out there. If you start to feel the flu coming on, you start to get soreness, shut it down because it is debilitating. We were both uh, we were both dying. So 
that wraps it up. Uh, we want to remind you, leave us a review on iTunes. We apologize. We did have some minor audio uh, issues with the first upload last week. That was a uh, encoding error. So we apologize about that. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. And we will be back with another show later in the week. Thanks for listening to Commitment Issues.